Welcome to the Colonial Hills Podcast, a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church. Well, we are back with season two of whatever whatever this is. I'm Welcome not... to 2021. No, this is a great podcast. Yeah, the Colonial Hills Podcast. I haven't really like named this section where we go over the ABF lessons. I thought about like ABF review and preview. Oh, review preview? Review preview. You could just like write review and then put a P in parenthesis. In front of it. That'd oh, be really clever. I kind of like that. I yeah, might go with that. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, welcome to preview. Preview review, um, where we go over the previous week's uh, Adult Bible Fellowship lesson, and then we also kind of preview what's coming up. Uh, we are doing a series uh, this semester on Christology, the study of Jesus Christ, and we're entitling that When God Became Man, and seeking to answer the question, okay, what what does this mean uh, when this incredibly uh, profound and really once in a universe type thing happened and how do we how do we think rightly about it uh, as Christians as believers as followers and, and students of scripture what does scripture actually say about it um, and so we're going to be wrestling through a lot of these issues there's a lot of really uh, deep weeds to go through here and so for the first lesson uh, we're just going to kind of talk through some introductory stuff uh, talk about doctrine talk about theology and why that matters and why that's important and to have uh, to help me with that I have with me, Matt Barfield. Hello, I'm glad to be here, but we're a man down. We, we are a man down. <laughs> Andy Montgomery is with us in heart. Okay, well, he'll be next next time. No but doubt. not in person. Yeah, we'll, we'll get him back. Yeah. We'll get him back. Um, so let's go ahead, and I'll just uh, start off. The way I, I organize this handout, and I'll just kind of read through the highlights, and then uh, Matt and I can discuss through here. But the first question uh, that I put in here is, why should I study Jesus? And really, I kind of broadened it to, why study theology? Uh, why study any theology? We're studying specifically the theology of Jesus. And so there's a couple of reasons that I come up with. Uh, the first is to be to be better prepared for false teaching. And uh, specifically, Ephesians 4 warns about this, that we not be children carried, uh, I forget how exactly it goes, carried to and fro with every wind of doctrine. The right. idea is that we, we have some stability because we know what God's Word says. And there are few, if any, issues, when you look at it globally, that are are more under attack than the doctrine of Christology from a cults and false religions and kind of big world picture. This is this is something where if you go outside the fold of Christianity and even within the fold of some people who would consider themselves Christianity, there's all kinds of, of false teaching about this. So it's important that we get it right. Well, and, we, we've gotten to a place too where where we've had enough historical successes that there are people who are tangentially aware of Christ. They, they have Christmas, they maybe even wear a cross around their neck, but they haven't gotten into what the Bible teaches about him. They don't know him personally. They don't walk with him. They don't study who he is and what the Bible says about him. So that creates its own kind of problem. We've had enough successes so that we're known globally by a billion plus people, but um, you know they don't necessarily know the truth. Yeah. In, in kind of along those lines with my group, one of the things that we did is in our uh, next lesson, which um, we may get to, we may cover it uh, next week. We talked about the divinity of Christ and I, I stood in front of my group and I asked them the question. I said, so Let's say you have a Jehovah's Witness who comes up to your door, says, well, you know, the Christians teach that Jesus is God, but the Bible actually never says that. In fact, it, it says the opposite. And you say, no, I've, I've been taught all my life Jesus is God. Well, where does it say that? And so sure. most people would say, oh, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so I say, so you take them there, and they say, oh, well, actually, in the Greek, there's no definite article there. Right. Um, and I say, and so what do you do at that point? You know, you, you can have the response, and your response may be, well, I, my pastor studied the Greek, and this is what he said. And they say, oh, that's interesting. My teacher studied the Greek, and this is what he said. And then you're just, you know, smiling at each other. And I said, so beyond that, what would you say to them? And, you know, there was 
everyone just kind of stared at me. And it, it's one of these things where we've been grown up taught something as, as basic and foundational as Jesus is God, but we've just accepted it because everyone around us believes it and accepts it. Right. And that's, that's okay to an extent, but then we want to get to the point where it's like, but where does it say this in Scripture? Because those Jehovah's Witnesses may one day be knocking on your door, and if your only response is, huh, well, maybe it doesn't. Um, that's where that's where we start having some some problems. Well, it's definitely worth studying, and it's exciting to study because there's no one in history, there's no one in the world like like Christ. There's no one who's ever accomplished what he's accomplished or been what he's been, and so it really is amazing. I, I do think to go back to your point you were just making there about uh, you know how do we what happens when we bump up against people who don't believe what we've maybe taken for granted or just absorbed without th- analyzing. I do think that's a, that's a strength to uh, kind of my mental reflex method of when I learn something new and say, I believe it, I now need to go find somebody who doesn't and tell it to mm. them. <laughs> and, and when we, yeah. if we let those stack up too much without doing that, we get into a weird place where, yeah. where we kind of, we haven't stretched our mental muscles enough to say, you know, it'd be better if you taught something new, let's put it like this. You taught something new someone in your class heard it and they went out and they told somebody who didn't and they got confused and they came back and they asked you and you explained it and they went back. That, that's a good exercise that's not a bad thing that's a good thing because it's it's getting it aired out somebody's hearing something they never heard and then the person mm-hmm. in the middle is is getting to exercise his muscle around this concept that that he hasn't done that before and i think sometimes we let too many things stack up we say we believe things we've never told those things to someone else or we've never had to make decisions based upon them and they get stagnated in our brains and they need to mm-hmm. get aired out and this lesson's a great way to do it you, know, you air it out here's what the bible says how do you respond to that how does it change your life so I'm, I, one of the questions I wanted to ask you too, Matt, because you've, you've had a background working with Muslims, and obviously the question of Jesus and the divinity of Jesus comes up whenever you work with Muslims. Sure. They, they, you know, they, they deny the divinity of Jesus. They find the Trinity to be heretical. They, think, you know, they would say that we're tritheists, we're not monotheists, we right. believe in three gods. Yep. So as you interact with them, you know, I imagine that there's a lot here in the, in the study of, of Christology and taking people to Scripture and working through these things. So as you work uh, in that context, and there's, there's a lot of Muslims in the world, and odds are you're going to bump into one uh, sooner or later, and if you have the opportunity to share Christ with them, what are some things that you found to be helpful? What are some of the ways that uh, Muslims think about this passage or think about this, this concept, I should say, that Jesus is God or, as they would say, Jesus is not God, and how can you, how can you help them scripturally, biblically? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting thing as it unfolds, uh, and it's certainly, to me, it's exciting to go to those places, to go to those people who have never heard what the gospel is, but have heard um, parts that, things that it isn't. And they've been, they've been trained to think about it from, well, you know, here's all the bad things that Christians do. Here's all the bad things they believe. And in that mix is, you know, they, they think that God came down and had, you know, marital relationships with Mary and, and produced this offspring, like the Greek pantheons would say, uh, Greek pantheon of God, something like that. Like it's like, you know, Jove coming down or whatever. So it, obviously it's not what the scriptures yeah, right. teach. It's not what's there. And, um, you know, when we get to go through and actually show them what it says and they see, wow, you're not crazy. Like you don't think this crazy thing. Uh, it really is a great way to open things up. Uh, to me, I, I like to go right for the jugular and say, how are you going to be justified? How are you going to mm-hmm. get right with God? And, and can you know for sure? And, you know, in, in Islam, there's none of that. And then I say, well, the reason, the reason that it's possible in Christianity is Christ. 
right? That That's the reason I can be confident is because there is the God-man Christ Jesus. There is the one who did what I couldn't do. There is the one who could be the daysman, the one to stand between me and God and bring us back together because of his work and not mine. And if I trust him, he gives me his eternal life. That That's what's great about it because it gets us to the point. The point is you have a problem you can't solve and Christ did. And you need to come to him, right? And when you when you make it like that, suddenly it's become a very practical thing and it's not just me arguing about, you know, what day was Jesus born and, mm-hmm. you know, how do we know that he, he actually is God? And how do we know that Judas Iscariot didn't replace him on the cross? Because that's what they believe. They believe, <laughs> they believe that, that Jesus put the whammy on everybody so they couldn't see that this was actually Judas dying on the cross and not him. Because a, a traitor really should die on a cross, not a good prophet. Mm-hmm. So they can't mm-hmm. reconcile that. So there's so mm-hmm. many things that just become difficult in, the, in that particular religious mindset. And, and you know, with, we've been to India, we with Indians and, and Hindus that are there and they've got the same problems you know um they've got the same problems with how they look at christ buddhists have similar problems you know they basically look at jesus as another buddha another emanation of of that so so everybody's you know doing something with them and then what the bible says is so different from anything anybody's ever imagined uh it's it's to us as christians it's wonderful to revel in it get excited about it but then we need to do something with it we need to go tell others about it and be prepared to answer difficult questions and and enjoy that process because the holy spirit's going to help us and enable us to do it yeah that's great so why do we study theology particularly uh in this study christology Uh, number one we want to be prepared for false teaching uh, but then also to understand uh doctrine better and the reason for that um is because doctrine affects behavior and um, you, you know, too often we, we kind of separate those two. And, you know, sure. I, I remember in college once, I think it was, people asked me, you know, so are you like more of like a, like a doctrinal preacher or more like a practical preacher? And I, I hated that. And I, my goal is to go as far as I can in both directions, right? Sure. Like, like, let's not skimp on the doctrine. Like, let's teach. Like, what does this say? It, it It's not just, you know, three quick points in an application. Um, that's not being a practical preacher, but what is what is this passage saying? Let's think about it hard, and then let's let's really wrestle with what would this look like lived out. How should this change my thinking? How should that flow out in my behavior and my attitudes and my actions? You know, I recently heard two preachers uh, preach back to back, and and their their approaches were very different. And I left there thinking, what's so different about those two approaches? And and I I wouldn't say one's a doctrinal preacher, one's a not a doctrinal preacher or a practical preacher or whatever. I I thought to myself, one knows what I'm supposed to do and doesn't care if I know why. Mm. And one wants me to know why and doesn't care if I know mm. what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> and like you said, you want to go in both directions, right? You want yeah. to be able to, I shouldn't say doesn't care, but it's less of an importance, less of a focus. I think sometimes, you know, you get people that are, you know, they have certain concerns. Like we got to say this whole doctrinal thing if we're going to say anything. We got to make the whole case, right? I can't, mm-hmm. I can't begin this if I can't finish it, right? And you got other people like, man, there's no time. Just get these people to do X, Y, Z, and then they'll be better off than if they hadn't, right? And so there's mm-hmm. sort of these two. I, I don't know if they're real exigencies or just imagined urgencies or whatever they are, but we we let that dictate what our course is going to be. And so I think I think you're right. I think we ought to say, look, they're studying this this theology is is truly practical because if you can sign a doctrinal statement and one of those statements hasn't isn't showing up in your life you might say you believe it but you don't yeah like like it needs to show up it's got to be it's got to be coming out somewhere right well and there's a difference between knowing it and believing it sure you know there's a difference between i understand this i can and maybe even i you know intellectually assent that this is 
this is reality and this is what I would tell you. But yeah, there's a difference between knowing that and then believing that, trusting it, resting in it with uh, the way that I live. Well, the fact that Christ is coming soon, if you believe that's true, yeah. right, if that's your eschatology and you're going to write your eschatology dispensationalist, like I think most of us would do that are listening to this podcast, or many of us would, then then that ought to alter your behavior in some way. You mm-hmm. ought not be as you would be if you believe something different. It would alter your behavior that way. And mm-hmm. I, I think it's weird to expect that I'm going to believe a bunch of things that aren't going to alter me. Mm-hmm. And that's 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 an odd that's an odd way of looking at it. Yeah, and I think too often what happens is you have doctrine, and doctrine can go deep, and it can go very very deep. And I think. Uh, the danger is that we get in our minds there's like really deep doctrine, and when you get down to the nitty nitty gritty, uh, people people lose track of how that would actually impact anything. And there there are times where there are some doctrinal questions where you look at it and you're like, I don't really know how this is going to impact my life. Were the sons of God fallen angels or were they the sons of Seth? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure how that's going to impact <laughs> you know how I behave on Monday. And that's something as a preacher that I've tried to come to and say, okay. This is a doctrinally deep message. How is this going to help people? As we're going through this series, I'm trying to think, okay, the doctrine of Christ and, you know, okay, we're talking about why is Jesus God? Why does that matter? Well, it matters because a Jehovah's Witness might show up at your door. Sure. And you've got you've to be able to know what to say. Um, or, you know, we talk about the fact that, you know, Jesus is prophet, priest, and king. Why does yeah. that matter? What does that look like? Well, you, you know, I mentioned this earlier, we've been so successful, quote unquote, we've had such a long history, 2000 years almost of, of preaching these ideas and, and the, the, at least certain concepts of Christ entering the mainstream that we find what you just described as deep things in kind of all over the place. Uh, a lot of people have viewpoints about some of the things that I would have thought were more esoteric. And you just mentioned the sons of Seth and, 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 <laughs> you know, the sons of God, daughters of men, uh, that actually was an ABC miniseries on ABC Family Network. Oh wow! <laughs> All about that. It actually starts off with this with this line, with this fire going in the background. There are Nephilim among us, and I'm like, what, "Are you kidding me? Like somebody <laughs> at ABC knows the word Nephilim? Like, how did that happen?" And and you know, we're in a day where where these things are not unheard of on all kinds of fronts. I was at a kid's meeting, uh, getting ready to preach. This is back in Pennsylvania. And some little girl, 12 girls, 12 year old girls are talking about, um, some Hindu goddess that she can do a dance to and evoke the goddess, right? How does she know that? How mm-hmm. does a little girl know that? But these things are not esoteric anymore. They've entered yeah. mainstream and, and that's not just those strange demonic type things or, or other religion type things, but that's things that we used to think of as a little more esoteric yeah. or not well-known, but they're all out there. Part of that, I think probably be the internet. Sure. I mean, you just, people, people can go out there, then go so deep on an issue. You know, it's, it's really incredible. Yeah. It used to be, if you wanted to study, you know, Hindu gods and goddesses, like you had to go to the library, you had to find a, maybe an encyclopedia, like just finding that you was hard. You had to go to India. Yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> And, and lots of people did, right? They went and found yeah. a guru, and they sat on a mountaintop. And you don't have to do that anymore. You can yeah. sit in your uh, yoga pants and a, you know, on the balcony of your apartment and do the same thing. Yeah. So yeah, very different. So uh, why are we studying this? Because it's important to be prepared for false teaching. It's important to understand doctrine. Doctrine affects the way we live. I wanted to talk about this too, and I'm, I'm curious to get your views on this, Matt. Um, just because I know that you have studied theology, but you've come at it from a, a slightly unusual direction in that. You know, most people do the, the Bible college and then the sure, seminary, yeah. and you you haven't done that, and yet, obviously, you've studied a lot of these issues. So I have a section here on what are the dangers of studying Jesus, and I I think of this, 
is like riding a bike, and this is not an original illustration. It's probably been used hundreds of times. Um, but you're riding a bike, and on either side of the path, there's a steep ditch. And you're trying to, to, to stay in the middle without falling down one side or the other. And if you try to swerve to avoid one side, there's a good chance you'll go into the middle. And so I, I put it this way. There's two dangers when we study, when thinking about doctrine and theology. One is what I call the danger of, I just called it sentimentality, which is this idea of like a strong emphasis on emotion, a downplaying of doctrine, and the emphasis is on love, right? It doesn't really matter what I know. It doesn't really matter, you know, if I can explain uh, systematic theology, as long as I love God. That's what's really important. And then the other would be the danger of rationalism. And rationalism can mean different things. I'm, I'm just kind of using it to, to describe somebody who it's all about the facts and there's knowledge without love. So I put it this way. Love without knowledge produces confusion. Knowledge without love produces arrogance. And what we want to do is we want to strike that balance because knowledge with love um, produces holiness. Um, I'm curious just to kind of get your thoughts on on that dichotomy. Well, you know, growing up in a Christian home and a Christian school, there certainly was a lot of great things that I was given early on, and that that became super useful when I did go to the mission field, Middle East, and and um, you know, and then Asia and Africa and, and Latin America. And so, yeah, it, you know, it's amazing what you take in as a young kid, and it's cool that it's amazing to me these, these children that are here today getting that same education, they're going to need all of that, right? And, and there's there's times for them to get this so they have both the knowledge and the love, and uh, we need to be able to encourage both and to, to see that happen. Um, and we've all been given a lot. Like, I, I think people sitting here listening, like, as we talk about this right now, uh, you talked about the two errors. I was thinking about Christ specifically. Mm. You know, is he all God, not man? Is he all man, not God? You know, where is that mix? And those those early theologians debating all those things, and my 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 poor seminary professors will forget, will be angry with me for not remembering <laughs> all their names, uh, Pelagius or whoever else had issues. But but uh, <laughs> maybe does that maybe send me something? Anyway, whatever yeah. it is, it is. But <laughs> go go ahead, PhD. But the. Uh, you know, I, I think we're all learning a lot more here than, than a lot of pastors around the world that I, I know and work mm-hmm. with have ever heard. Uh, certainly kids that go to our Christian school and come to Sunday school and have a Christian home and are being taught scriptures, um, they've been, they're being invested with incredible resource. And that can go really, really far. And they ought to air it out and go use it. And I think that to me, you know, that's how that love and that knowledge go hand in hand is, mm-hmm. when, we, is when we take steps of faith and say, I'm going to go tell this to somebody. I'm going to go. I'm going to go air this out. Uh, that's what keeps that vibrancy there, right? It's because it's it's now not just something I read in a book, you know, or it's not just something that I heard in a classroom. It's something that I thought I thought about myself, and then I went and told someone else. I teach the apologetics um, Bible class here at Colonial for the Christian School. We do it every other year. We're doing it right now, and I teach um, Bible the off years, the other year as well. We do we go through the letters of the New Testament and. That in particular, but also just being a pastor, it's it's neat how you study these things, and sometimes you're like, man, why do I even need to know this? Like, this is a, a nitpicky, you know, there's issues that I just kind of roll my eyes, and I'm like, okay, you know, the theologians can argue about this if you want. It, it's a different thing when you've got a senior in high school who's coming up to you, and they're asking you questions about things that I never thought I would hear questions. As, it's like, like you said, you know, people are asking, uh, you know, where did Christ go when he died? And I'm like, well, I, I mean, there's a big theological debate about that. I just kind of like got tired of it. I'm like, ah, who cares? Um, but that that matters to somebody who's studying their Bible and wants to know well, what is this passage saying. Or, you know, you have these other questions. We're going through um, 
right now we're talking about, you know, gender and sexuality and gender sure. roles and, yeah. you know, what do we do with homosexuality and how do we think about the transgender movement and all of these things, you know, it, it, it's good to be reminded um, when, when I'm asked these questions, it's, it's affirming like, this is, this is important. This affects people uh, yeah. where they live. Yeah. And um, these are, these are important issues and I, I shouldn't just blow them off, but you're right. When, when you have the opportunity to actually use them and, and share with people, it, it helps you to realize how important that they really are. And there's something about that, that confidence of understanding where we have a confidence in the Lord and, and we can um, go into a situation without being nervous, right? We know what we believe. We've studied it out. We understand it. That, that helps. That helps ground us. It gives us a, um, a confidence, not in just our abilities, but in the Lord who's, who's, who's revealing himself to us through his word. And that's what we want. We want to be able to look at anybody and say, I either know the answer or I will, but I know the one who has the answer and he's explained himself to us. Yeah. I, I remember I was in a, a class and the teacher made the comment as we got started. He said, we're about to do something very dangerous this semester. And this was actually a class on the gospels. And he said, we're about to study theology. And he said, when we do that, if our love for God doesn't grow commensurate with our knowledge of God, he said, what we've done is a very dangerous thing. And that's really stuck with me for a while. You know, there are people that I'll be reading who know way more than I do sure. about Scripture as a whole, and sometimes Scripture in, in little, you know, yeah, they'll little, take like the book of Luke and they'll just go super, super deep cubby, and know yeah. everything there's know about the book of Luke. And they're not saved. Right. And they're, you know, they're not going to heaven. And that's always been convicting. And you kind of stand back and you say, so how did that happen? How did somebody come to the holy, inspired, inerrant word of God and study it for their entire lives and miss it? Yeah. How does somebody study, you know, let's say the gospel of Luke. I'm not thinking of a, um, anyone in particular, but somebody who, let's say, studies the gospel of Luke for their entire lives or Luke Acts and watches the beginning of the church and they walk away and they don't believe Acts is historical and they think that it's all made up and, you know, they, they go to hell when they die. How, how does that happen? And I, you know, there, there's probably a number of explanations, but for me, I came back to they didn't love God. There was not a... You know, they had a lot of knowledge, um, and Paul says in 1 Corinthians 8, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And so, and there's the three things that remain, right? The, the faith, hope, and love. And, and I think, you know, one of the things that, that simple believers, people that have sometimes in incredible duress, you know, we, we think of degrees of, of saints, and we think of people that go through trials and tragedies and, and martyrdom as these super saints because they went through this great thing. Sometimes... Those people know very, very little. They, they, mm. they haven't been grounded in Scripture, but they, they have a faith response mm. that brings love and that results in hope. And those things last. They have a durative response. They have a durative faith. And that matters a great deal. A great deal. And I think, I think when you look at some of the things that are in the lesson here, you know, love without knowledge, knowledge without love, I, I do agree that, that we need to have both of those. But in all of this, there has to be a, hum, a humbleness, a humility, mm. where we have that humble response of faith. Yeah. It says, I, I know, you know, I, I've dealt with this with certain ones very close to me. And I said, look, I can answer all your questions. And at the end of it, you're still going to have to believe God. Mm. You know, it, that's never going to be, uh, there's no, there's no workaround from that. That's always going to have to happen. Um, it kind of reminds me of Hebrews four two. It says, "For unto us the gospel was preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it." You know, as I mentioned, we're going through apologetics, and I've told the the students. I said, "All right, guys, here's the deal. We are going to get answers from God's word, 
you may not always like those answers. You may not always 100% agree with those answers. The question is, are you willing to accept those answers from God? You know, there are some things where we ask questions and, you know, maybe I would have done it differently and I don't understand why God's doing it this way or I don't understand why God would allow this. But yeah, the question we come back to is, are you willing uh, to believe what it is that God said and to to trust in him? Are you willing, unlike, you know, the, the Israel generation uh, in the wilderness to allow your heart to have faith in what is being told, um, or are you going to continue to to trust in yourself? You know, I, I immediately, as you're thinking of talking about that, pops in my mind about Moses, who doesn't understand why God won't let him in the promised land, and, and asks him again, "Please let me go into the promised land." And God says, "Don't talk to me about this again. <laughs> Don't bring that up." And and that's sort of like a a long question mark, right? That's like a thousand year question mark. Like, why is that there? And then and then he's on the Mount of Transfiguration inside the promised land with Jesus, and I'm pretty sure that the question marks removed at that point for him personally. Um, you know, we're going to have to see more about how that's all, all that works out. But, you know, there, there are, there are things where we're going to have to work by faith, right? And the only one who gets justified in this is God, right? Yeah. I don't have to be the one with the right answer. I have to be the one who, who falls on him and is saved. That's, that's where my position. And as I do that, my understanding gets opened and I get to learn more and more and more things. But when I stop that, my understanding is closed and mm-hmm. my love gets cold and I get distance from the one who is there to help to change me. There's, um, yeah, this this idea we, we're going over then of, of knowledge and faith. There's a question that's often been asked, does faith precede knowledge or does knowledge precede faith? In other words, do you believe in order to understand or do you understand in order to believe? And I think the best answer that I've heard in response to that is Hebrews, again, another book about that deals a lot with faith, um, it says in verse three, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Okay, and <laughs> um, and and then I, I I thought that you know that there was a you know there's faith understanding faith. I, I thought that somebody I forget who somebody made that point that it's almost cyclical that I I believe and as I believe I understand and as I continue to understand it increases my faith. Yeah, and I then um, understand more. Um, and I think that there's a lot of people who they're not willing and ready to take that first step of saying I believe. Yeah. They, they have to figure it all out. They have to understand all of it before they're willing to take a step of faith. And the step of faith is not a blind step into the dark. It's not, well, I have no idea, and this is completely random and crazy, and it could be this or a hundred other things. There's, there are, you know, God gives us his word. He gives us um, the testimony of the Spirit. He does, he did work and speak in history. But yeah, we, we have to come to a point where we're willing to believe him and accept him, and then from there uh, to go on. Um, so that... That's kind of in a nutshell the first lesson, and I, I, I hope that's helpful for people. It's not really about Jesus per se, but just kind of some meditation on the importance of theology and of loving God. As I mentioned uh, in our next two lessons, uh, which at the time of this recording we've actually gone over lesson two, we're going to be going over lesson three, we're dealing with the divinity of Christ. And uh, the question that, that we have is, how do we know that Jesus is God? And can we actually prove that from Scripture? How do we go about doing that? Um, if you have somebody who says, take your Bible and show me that Jesus is God, would you be able to do that? Why is it that, number one, the church fought about this for hundreds of years, if it's so obvious, and number two, that they came to such a settled conclusion that, you know, for the last 17, 1800 years, this has been a settled point of Christian doctrine that you can't deviate from and still be considered an Orthodox Bible-believing Christian. 
And so we're going to be looking at that. Uh, if you want to kind of challenge yourself, that may be something you can look into or spend some time meditating on. Where, where in Scripture would I go to, to show someone that, that Christ is God? And uh, if you'd like to look up the notes and resources for this, there will be a link to it in the description. Uh, thank you for joining us, and we look forward to having you again with us next week. See you later. This podcast has been a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church, a church home for all people. If what you've heard has been an encouragement to you, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you'd like to connect with Colonial or find more resources, you can find us online at colonialindy.org. You can also check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope to see you next time on the Colonial Hills Podcast.